Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield. I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome, welcome. This week, I have a beautiful conversation with Catherine McClintock, who is a choreographer, poet, and founder of the online dance community Inbox Dance Party. She moved to New York City straight after high school and now works in TV, film, and theater in New York and LA. She's been a closet poet until now, but she has a book called Ending the War on My Body, and it is her debut poetry book. Today, we get into that topic about body image, about her process becoming a dancer and then a choreographer, and she reads a powerful poem from the collection. She is passionate about sharing her journey to body acceptance in a visceral, imaginative way as she previously longed for in art, dance, conversations, and music in her own healing journey to supplement therapy and medical resources. Ending the War on My Body is in production to become a multimedia performance event combining Catherine's choreography and poetry through film, dance, music, and visual art in collaboration with many amazing artists. I am so grateful for this conversation about creativity. Catherine is an absolute delight, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. If you have not yet, please do join my Facebook group, Weave Your Business Bliss. If you're an online business owner, a spiritual entrepreneur, and you would love to know more about how to show up and be visible on social media, how to run your business. I always give strategy tips. I also weave in the astrology. It's a really helpful space for people who are looking for community around being a spiritual entrepreneur, but also some of that practical support. Every Monday, you can share your offerings there. So it's a great place to get to know other people and to share what it is that you do. So please do check that out and enjoy this episode with Catherine McClintock. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paula. Thank you. It's so nice to have you on. It's nice to be on. I'm so looking forward to this. Um, So you started your journey with creativity quite young. So can you talk a little bit about how you first got interested in dance? It's blurry because I was so young when I was first interested in dance. I think I started my first class when I was three or four. But we moved across the country. And so then go. I remember wanting to go back to dance. I was about nine. And I was like walking on my toes all the time. I just was very kinetic as a kid. And I was obsessed with it. I would check out the same book from the library every other week because I wasn't allowed to check it out every week. And it was about dance and ballet. And I was so entranced by the world and the stages and how it all worked and what you could do with the body. And I just, I was entranced by it and wanted to do it all the time. That's really my early memories of it is just desire. And so as soon as my parents really saw that and I really communicated, I want to do this, then they helped me find studios. 
I, I feel like every year I just upped the ante. It was like what I wanted to do the most throughout my youth, all the way through high school. It was like one class a week, then two classes a week, then three classes a week, then five classes a week, and then, you know, seven hours of rehearsal nightly, you know, <laughs> like it just, the ante just kept amping up and the dance part of it, I always loved. And it's such an interesting form of creativity mm-hmm. uh, because it's ephemeral and it's so rooted in the body. Yeah. And I, I don't know how aware I was of that at the time, but there has always been something that I really liked about that. I think because my creativity is more in my body, is more in the abstract and ideas, making up dances and moving bodies through space to tell a story was something I always felt really connected with in a way that I never did with anything that required fine motor skills or anything like that. This and words were it (laughs) for Mm. me. It's so interesting because I'm just going to jump right into your chart, which you have this combination called the Saraswati Yoga. Saraswati is the goddess of learning and creativity and music. You have Mars exchanging with Venus in that combination, which means the body is very much involved in your creative pursuits. So wild. (laughs) Yeah. And then also, you know, you have Mercury in your 10th house. Mercury is part of that combination of creativity, but Mercury is really the planet of of writing and words. So the way you externalize also involves words. Also, that combination of Mars and Venus is over the third house, which is for writing for those of you who are writers out there and who are listening. You know, like sometimes my clients will come to me and be like, I want to write a book and I'm looking at the third house to find out what's going to happen. You know, so you're in this perfect time right now when Venus is activated to be releasing a book, which we're going to talk about too during this conversation. That's wild. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to dance because I'm really curious, like, what is happening for you when you're dancing? Are you, does it bring you into the present moment or what is it about that? It is definitely so present. I remember as I developed in the craft, I remember the moment where I was like, I love this because this is what I'm doing and I can't be doing anything else. It's so, like funny. I just remember I had a crush on someone and it was like in my head and I, and I had to let it go because I couldn't stay up on one leg while like spiraling about this like crush I had in high school. <laughs> I just remember that feeling so great. No matter what was consuming, if I was dancing, that's what I had to be doing. And so, yeah, there is something, and I've always, I've always felt a little unrooted from time, a bit naturally. Like I, I, if I'm just sitting and ruminating, I'm in the future or the past. And I really find that dance brings me into the moment. And it's like, whenever I'm physicalizing something, I think it's where my joy and, and the things that are contagious about me really line up. <laughs> mm. It's also interesting because you're very, you have like an interest in choreography, mm-hmm. but then also like systems and like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you can tie those things together. There's like an organizational piece as well. That Yes. I've thought about this a lot. And I think some of that is 
it came out of what I needed to do to survive. Like when I moved to New York quite young, some of my ways of thinking about systems and everything like that came out of necessity, working retail, having to learn these skills. And then I found that when I started choreographing that all of my retail management, business system, sales experience, galvanizing people to an idea that I'd learned in my business life was so transferable and actually made choreography feel more at home than being a dancer, like a professional dancer felt. Like I just, I feel very resourced when I'm choreographing because of this systems thinking, because I think about what is a team and how is everyone getting from point A to point B. And you've brought that back into helping, like helping people with the way their businesses are set up too. Yeah. Like choreographing their business. Yeah. I say I choreograph word flows, workflows, and dances. Uh huh. (laughs) Tell us about Inbox Dance Party. Like, what was the origins of that? And what is it exactly for people who want to, you know, explore? Totally. Well, I was, as all of us were in the midst of a pandemic wondering how to do anything. And I think I had the advantage of working from home before the pandemic. So I'd already gained a lot of skills for like keeping my home life and work life separate in the same space. And I had started, you know, the Pomodoro technique. So I'd started doing that, but I would take movement breaks because I found I wasn't motivated to take a break just because the timer went off. (laughs) So I started taking dance breaks for five minutes. And I found that it was so helpful for returning to work, rerouting myself in my body, getting out of tunnel vision, all of those things. And it was just a little bit more accessible than a walk. You know, you didn't have to put on your shoes and your coat. And and in New York, you have to like go and and then there's a pandemic. So you had to mask up. So I just found that it was just a more accessible and motivating way to take a break. So I started making playlists that automatically timed that and thought, why not share it? And it was also a practice for me in communicating consistently with the people who want me to communicate with them, basically. So it's a newsletter, essentially. But I send playlists, I send resources, and then I write little, I call them pep talks of how to reframe something that you're doing in your work, in your week, how to bring a little more freedom into your work, whether you're working from home, caretaking, or working a nine to five at an office, uh, just these skills, just a little bit more joy in your life. And what, what surprised me about this was the response to my writing. I thought everyone would want the playlists and the resources <laughs> and the response I get, the resonance I get is usually from my little short ruminations on work and life and ideas. Mm, what's so fascinating about this to me is that your Mercury is with Saturn. So you it's like you've been building a really good relationship with this kind of structured. It's not a planet that has a sense of humor. He wants you to be responsible. He wants you to like do things diligently, you know, and so you're creating these ways to be creative within structures or within limitations. 
And like the other thing about your chart is you're a Jupiter person, which I knew the moment I met you. I was just like, Catherine's so Jupiterian. I didn't know if you were Sagittarius rising or Pisces, but you're Pisces. And you have this beautiful, strong Jupiter in the fifth aspecting back into your rising sign. So what that means is like, despite whatever obstacles come up, you're like, okay, how can we be creative in the face of this? Like, how can we make it work? You know, and you have this ability to like, really bring together community and like show up for people and be that beam of light, which is why I wanted to have you on. So I'm really excited uh, to like talk about your projects. So yeah, well, that's, a, that's a lot of information. <laughs> no, that's so that's so interesting. Because I find that that is such a huge aspect of my life as I'm I'm talking about this journey, but so much of it is so rooted in the people that said, what about this to me? I find that so much of the time my alignment comes immediately after a conversation. That's something that I feel so confident in in my life is my community. I feel so rooted in the people that I have around me. And that's such a great blessing and support, I think, for everything that I do. Well, let's talk about your writing. So we kind of have alluded to it, but you just finished your first collection of poems. So can you talk about the genesis of this book, which is called Ending the War on My Body? Yes. And it it really intersects with the story I was telling about dance, because that is the sun side of it is discovering dance and diving into dance. And then I feel like the shadow side of all of that was really feeling like my body was the enemy in that. I was always a little bit larger in the dance circles that I was in. I was an early bloomer. I developed <laughs> young and I don't have a ton of like natural physical ability for dance. I would say everything I like worked really hard to do within my body, but there's a lot that like, I, I don't have hips that just fell open. Right. <laughs> And I just saw the elevation of people that were much smaller than me over and over and over again in whichever community I was in with dance. It was like the small would be elevated. And I did everything I could to be small because of that. And I think because... So this book... (laughs) The genesis is this feeling, even though I'm doing something that would make you really embodied, I was so disembodied. You know, there were like these moments of embodiment, but so much of the time, it was so fraught. It was so much mind controlling body. And that started really intensely for me in in high school. It got to its worst, but I would say it started, I read like my first diet book, I think I was nine or 10 about like restricting calories. Yeah, I just like I got really fixated on this. And it really affected my relationship to my body, because it's quite separate. And so this book is actually a combination of poems that I've written throughout the last 15 years that ended up like corresponding with this journey from disordered eating from self-loathing into a more healed relationship as I went through therapy, as I did physical therapy, as I like took breaks from dance and returned to it, as I really juggled between this disconnect I had with myself. And so a lot of them are poems that I would write 
in fits of <laughs> despair. Some of them in a moment of insight. Some of them gave me the moment of insight. So it's stuff that I wrote whenever throughout 15 years. And a friend, when I finally started sharing poems, said, it's interesting to see the arc here with your body. It's interesting to see your relationship to yourself change. That was really the the genesis of the book was, oh, I've been writing about something consistently. And I had no idea. It was just, I was so obsessed with it. I was so in it. I couldn't have even seen that I was so obsessed and in it until someone pointed it out to me and having gone through therapy and like, just like, oh, here's some threads along the way. So I went through all my archives and assembled a collection that I think tells the story of the war with my body, how it began, what made me question whether this was how I wanted to continue when it ended, and then what it's been like, the back and forth of healing. I'm curious, what would you say to your younger self as you were dealing with the struggles around body image? What would you say to yourself now? <sighs> so, so much of this book, like I, I think so much of it is for my younger self. Like the book itself feels like a bow on this chapter in my life so that I can move on. And I think what I craved was stories, was metaphor, was art about it. There was plenty of facts and nutrition advice and conflicting nutrition advice. There's plenty of medical resources. I was incredibly helped through therapy, but I think what I craved was the ideas. And so I think what I would say is, I love you as you are now, and I hope you can too. I think that was like, that was such a shift for me was when I realized, I think at like 26 or 27, that I didn't want to look at myself now at 50, the way I was looking at myself at 18, which was like, nothing was wrong with me. Why wasn't I eating? <laughs> that was such a shift for me was, oh, I don't want to continue this. I don't want to look back later at myself now and think, wow, I really missed out on a moment in time. <laughs> That's what your body is. It's a moment in time. And I think I would also like to tell my younger self that the future is a lot more accepting, right? Like there's much more, like there's spaces where you're going to exist more publicly than you thought possible in the early 2000s. <laughs> it was all that you saw, especially during that period of time. Yeah, it was a heroin chic just before that, the all mm -hmm. the really skinny Calvin Klein models and the era of Kate Moss and all of that. Well, thank you so much for sharing so <laughs> vulnerably about that. And I think, you know, this is going to resonate with so many people. So I was wondering, I did ask you before we started, if you would mind reading a poem. So would you like to read the title poem from the book? Yes. So this is the title poem of my book. It's called Ending the War on My Body. I am ending the war on my body. I am ending the war waged on my abdomen, the battles fought with my inner thighs. I am walking away from the propaganda slandering my well-concealed ribs, 
covering my ears from the shell shock of lies. I am raising the white flag, breaking all the funhouse mirrors, surrendering to the hope I'll be a body I don't despise. I am signing a peace treaty with the shape of my face, from the arch of my eyebrows to my crooked teeth. I declare this war waged on my body ended. Feast now, all you victorious women. I love that last line so much. (laughs) Feast now, all you victorious women. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you are looking for better ways to understand astrology and yourself, you are in luck because I have a course out now called The Planets, and it goes in depth into the stories of the planets, their characteristics, how we can have a relationship with them, how they may afflict us and what to do about it. You also learn a lot about karma, about Vedic astrology, what it is, where it originates from, how to read your chart. So it's a pretty in-depth look and a helpful tool for you to better understand astrology. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to weaveyourbliss.teachable.com. You'll see the planets there and you can click through and learn more. So you and I met in a group of creatives and entrepreneurs that's no longer, but for those of you who've listened to the podcast, you've probably listened to Liz Kimball. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. That's who started this group that Catherine and I met in. So we were talking about community earlier. I'm curious, like, how has community helped you in your creative process? What is creativity and creative expression? What, what is that function? for in your life? Or what is the function of it? Community has been absolutely essential, especially for this, for this project, this vulnerable project, I've made things before I put them out there before, but nothing felt quite as tender as this. And I really feel like the Liz Kimball collective, that community, it emboldened me, empowered me to continue with it. And I spoke about it in that space before I told anyone else in my life about it because I knew that I could voice it there. And if I decided to shut it down, it would be okay. Or if I decided to go for it, if I decided to go for it, I would have the support of that whole community behind me. And I just think that that belonging, that safety, the way that other people around you are creating is so expansive. And I really believe that we do nothing alone. And even subconsciously, like there are other things at play. And so it was just such a gift to be in a community that was all really believing that we do nothing alone. The role of creativity in my life, I think has shifted so dramatically from being something of effort and work and output and and into something that is so much of, about 
expressing what needs to be expressed, right? I feel like I have fewer limits, right? I feel emboldened to make a book of poems, even though my career is mostly as a choreographer, right? I just feel like you have to let it out in whatever way the idea wants to come out of you. And that has allowed for like a stream of power to come through whatever is happening for me creatively. I also really see creativity as a relationship with intuition for me. This hearing a pull, like these little pings of an idea that will just tickle your brain. <laughs> and and when you know that it's yours, it like drops into my body. Like that's like how I feel about it. And I feel like that gives me so much healing. I am learning so much as I, as I write this book, right? Like it, to me that the creativity is a vessel of learning in and of itself. I think it's, I'm really enjoying process with it. I think every step along the way has, has a lesson to teach, not just the end product. I'm sort of thinking about how you do create certain processes around things and how disciplined you are about that. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could talk about like the creative process itself for people who have a drive for creative pursuit and maybe they get stuck, you know, like you seem to be so good at getting unstuck at just like keeping the flow going. That's something that I've noticed just being in this group with you. So maybe you could share some advice around that. Sure. Thank you so much. I think I used to kill all of my ideas in the night that like I literally did. I would have ideas and then the reasons not to would just shut it down before it even started. And I think that some of the unstuckness is the ability to get unstuck is a refusal to let it, let the idea die. Like a constant reminder of like what that idea means to you and what connects you to it. I also think that like having wild ideas is really helpful. Like I felt really stuck in the writing of this book after compiling it. I'm like, here's all this stuff that I've written over decades. And through this like workshop that we had with Liz Kimball, I just like had this idea to physicalize it. So I'm making short films out of the poems. I'm making dances out of the poems, right? Like I'm going to be doing a lot more with the book that that makes it connect to my body a little bit more. And that helped me get unstuck. So keys for me to be succinct would be having a conversation if you're stuck, like not to get something out of someone, but just reaching out to someone that you trust, someone else who's in a creative process, someone else who is um, curious and interesting and interested right? Wherever you find reciprocity, have a conversation there and you will be unstuck. You know, I think so much of the time stuckness comes from like only being able to think about it in one way. And I've really been practicing that with this process. Like I feel, if I feel stuck, who am I talking to <laughs> the next day, you know, and that night. Another thing is just finding out how you process how do you process information? How do you work through problems? What helps you do that? For me, it's verbal and movement. 
And so every morning I go on a walk and I talk to myself in a phone, in my phone. <laughs> and there's something about the moving and talking that has helped me get unstuck in ways that any kind of note list, note taking to do list, anything like that just never was it for me. <laughs> so yeah, I think just like some things that really help is being intensely curious about what works for you, pulling inspiration from a lot of places and having conversations because other people have wisdom that you do not at all points and it's all transferable. So if they're talking about how they got unstuck on an email, that might unlock something for you and your painting. Catherine, what does it mean to you to live in your purpose? To live in my purpose really feels like the metaphor that comes to mind is being like a dandelion for myself. So blooming, going through the process, being who you are in a community, and then letting the impact and the seeds go where they may, and not concerning yourself much with it, just blooming again another season. I've always loved the dandelion. I think there's something about jubilation there as well, something that makes people happy, something that you can skip through a blooming. I like the idea of the dandelion because it can bloom in multiple places. It can bloom through walls. It can, <laughs> it can bloom in many different conditions. And I think there is something of my purpose in that. Um, so your book is available online. Where, where can people find it? It will be available online. The best way to find out about it is on my website, katherinemcclintock.com backslash book. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And if they want to join Inbox Dance Party, that's there too. Yeah, you can join <laughs> me there as well. I talk to you every Tuesday and give fun tips. I'm also on Instagram, which is where I hang out. Like it's more relaxed, but that's where you can find out about little bits of the process as well. Um, that's okay. KG McLean TikTok. Okay. We'll put all that in the show notes. So I have some rapid fires for you. Okay. Um, what is one piece of advice that's really helped you in your life? Um, this is from my dad. It's good to be bored sometimes. I am restless, I would say. I have a lot of energy kind of from go. And I like stimulus a lot. <laughs> so as a kid, I would just be like, I'm bored <laughs> quite often. And my dad and I are quite similar in our rhythms and he would always say, it's good to be bored sometimes. It was the advice I wanted to hear the least, but I think has helped me in adulthood the most because I really create space for me to be bored. And that helps connections come through all the time. And when I feel anxious, because like sometimes being bored makes me feel like I want to peel my skin off or like there, there's like a really like visceral reaction to boredom that I have that really simple advice from my dad just helps me go, there's something here. When you feel anxious, confused, or frustrated, what's the first thing you do to ground yourself? Really simple things. So either just step away, take a sip of water, take a breath. And if it's really pervasive, I take a shower. <laughs> and if it's physical, like if it's in my body, dancing or going on a walk. I have, I have a menu and it's kind of like, what can I do right now? <laughs> um, so what is your favorite hot beverage? Ooh, 
probably cocky. You're not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Having asked like dozens of people now this question. (laughs) Yeah. Also mulled wine, like in the winter, if I really want something cozy. So your last meal on earth would be what? It would be probably some kind of Spanish food. Nothing specific comes to mind, but maybe like like arepas with plantains and black beans and like something like that. I just love that. That's probably what I eat the most is that type of food. I love it. Do you have a morning routine and what part of any is non-negotiable? I do have a morning routine. Movement and washing my face are non-negotiable. The type of movement is very flexible. I haven't once it's like similar. I have menus of a morning routine. But some kind of mobility and then splash my face with cold water. It's just my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> mm. Tell us about a person who inspires you and why. I'm so immersed in poetry right now. So I think Mary Oliver is who has just inspired me over and over again. And I had no idea, but she just wasn't reacted too well by the powers that be in the poetry world, which is insane to think about now you know the New York Times never wrote like a review of her books or anything like that even though they were quite famous and I think that her way of observing the world has been so helpful like things like wild geese uh, like letting your soft body love what it loves that line and the journey um, saving the life you can saving the only life you could save. Those two poems have just been a beacon for me on this, my recovery journey on coming into myself. And so I think her prolific work, regardless of how it was received by the powerful, quote unquote, you know, I I think it's resonance and, and how transcendent it is, is thrilling to me. And I I love her breadth of work. And yet she persisted. Yeah. Yeah. She just kept writing it. And she and her partner had a joke about the plates that wild geese paid for. Mm -hmm. I just think it's, I think it's so fantastic. And obviously she's won many awards since, but I think that even though people said, "Eh, we're tired of this, she just kept going. Tell us something that people might not know about you. I'm quite transparent, but I think what people might not know about me is how dual I am in some ways. I have, I love being out and I really like to just mull things over in quiet ways. I have this like energetic part and this more ruminating part. (laughs) Mm. And I think the ruminating part is what a lot of people don't see. And I'm trying to integrate it a little bit more, actually. I love that. What are you reading right now? I'm reading three things. I'm reading Good Bones by Maggie Smith, Book of Poems. Ada Limon, The Carrying, Book of Poems. And I just finished... The Once and Future Witches by Alex Harmon, which was fiction. Mm. It was very fun. (laughs) I usually have three that I'm reading at once. Like I usually have like a nonfiction, a poetry or essay collection and a fiction. 
I'm the same. I definitely have a couple books on my book stand. So I understand. Oh, I'm reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. That's my nonfiction right now. Love it. So we'll put those in the show notes as well. (laughs) What is one thing that's bringing you joy right now? Honestly, the process of making this book and all its accompanying parts. I feel so incredibly empowered to be leading a team through the films and to be giving this project its best shot. I I just, my 21-year-old self would be amazed at the follow through. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I really am. I'm just so enjoying the process. And that it feels so good for like the main thing that I'm doing throughout my days to be something I care about so much. Any parting thoughts? I would love to hear if anyone else has ended is ending wants to end the war with their bodies. I invite you into the world (laughs) of ending the war and think that it's a really powerful declaration to make that you're going to stop fighting the body and hold its hand as a partner. It's been such a powerful shift in my life. It sounds like a hashtag is born. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag I'm ending the war in my body. (laughs) You heard it here first. Use it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Catherine. Thank Just you, Paul. Joy to talk to you. And I hope everyone goes out and gets your book and uses the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take a little pick with it. Thank you so much, Paula. This is a great conversation. And it went places in my story that I haven't visited in a while. So that was very fun. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantulodesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day and we will connect soon on a future episode.